0: Hi and welcome to the Changes Ahead podcast
1: giving space to the often unheard questions
0: doubts hopes and challenges facing the church in Aotearoa New Zealand I'm Stephen
1: and I'm Kathy and we invite you to join us as we imagine the changes ahead
0: We've made it to the end of another year the conclusion of season 2 of the Changes Ahead podcast well done Kathy
1: and to you too Stephen and i feel really proud i feel really proud of the people that have given us their time and their vulnerability to tell their story yeah and it still feels like such a privilege to be helping to curate that and it continues to to shape me because you know i can only understand things from my lived experience mm. and listening to someone else's story gives me the chance to hear the things that have shaped them mm. and help me to see things that I I can't see by myself and I continue to feel really privileged about what that new understanding brings to me
0: mm. so again thank you to all of the guests that we've had on this year it's been uh, as Kathy's just said it's been a real gift to us personally uh, and I know to many of our listeners as well so so thank you but we thought as we wrap up this year that we do a bit of a reflection on both what we've heard, but also just kind of imagining the changes ahead ourselves and how this might be impacting our own practices and the different leadership spaces that we are in. And to do that, we thought we would highlight some things that have come out of the recently released Faith and Belief report uh, that is Exploring the Spiritual Landscapes in Aotearoa, New Zealand, put out by the Wilberforce Foundation. And it's a really worthwhile report for people to engage in and and listen uh, to the voices of a representative sample of New Zealand. But there is one page that really caught my attention, and it potentially gives us insight into how the church could change if we are to meet the longings and fears uh, of of people that they're sitting with. So I'm just going to read these, and we'll post these on our socials as well. But they list the top five longings in life and the top five fears in life. And I think these are incredibly important for us to sit with. So these are the top longings in life. 58% said a hope for the future. 52% Mm -hmm. an increase in wealth and prosperity. 47% a sense of security in a world of uncertainty. 45% genuine relationships where I feel known. 34%, a strong sense of personal identity. Then the top fears, and some of these correlate, which is interesting. So top fears, probably not surprisingly, the the top one is losing a loved one, 62%. 53% said not having enough money to live. 47% said illness. 41% said crime. And 37% said loneliness. And I wonder, as we are reflecting on the changes ahead, for the church, what would it look like if we were seeking to address these longings and mm. to perhaps try and bring some relief to some of those fears? And yeah. part of that seems to be about naming reality. Mm. And that is a little bit of a theme, I think, that's come out this year.
1: Yeah, it really is. And it's there's power in naming because we can't change what we haven't named. Mm. And I think. That takes courage. It takes courage to sit in that gap, in that in-between, to name things aren't what we hoped or what we thought they would be. And yet that courage gives us a place to begin. Mm. And I love this idea of the power. We underestimate the power of naming. Mm. And naming the reality means then we can tell the truth. And that's what it does. To me, naming is telling the truth, Mm. telling the truth as to how things really are. And I think I've always felt that if our faith does not speak to what is real for us, then it doesn't make sense. If it doesn't speak to those fears and to those longings.
0: And naming those fears and those longings, I think that will enable us to address that longing that talks about a sense of security in a world of uncertainty. The world of uncertainty isn't going anywhere, right? If, mm-hmm. if anything, it's getting more uncertain and and more chaotic. But we, as the church, as we name reality, as we sit with the good and the bad that is is present currently and has been in the past and probably will be in the future, we can still, by naming the reality, naming truth, Mm. Giving that a space and being able to be present in that, in all of the uncertainty that we're sitting with, that begins to create spaces of safety, I think, as we we don't pretend like everything is all good because we know it's not.
1: And I think then maybe the younger people who are so aware of it because they're living it will take us more seriously. Yeah. I think they don't understand why we're not seeing what they're seeing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I like this idea of creating a safe landing. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing if that's the way the church was perceived, Mm. as a safe place to land in a world that is rapidly changing, that we are fearful, and there are losses. I mean, we need to name that. Yes you yep. you are going to experience loss in your life it's not a maybe
0: mm. it's
1: a it's a yes we will lose people we love and life will not turn out the way we imagined but maybe then we can meet the other longing that is in that survey is a place to belong a place where we're seen a place where we feel relationally connected mm. we could really sit there and then together there is a power in knowing that we are not alone and facing these things. And that's why I think we underestimate the power of love. It is an energy that changes us at the core. And I'm sure that as people are listening, we all know people who are going through, whether it's health or real, real hard issues at the moment. And when I go and sit with them, I know I can't change that. Mm but I know that I can love them. Mm.
0: And I think, that, I mean, that makes me think of the conversation we had with Andrew, right, with that, mm. that, that minister who came to him and who had no idea what to yeah. say and what to do. But his presence was what made the difference or made some difference in that space.
1: And that also meets this this fear of being alone. And again, what a powerful place the church could be to come back to that core of belonging. Uh, Again, I just want to say that word, a safe place to land. And I really like something that we just did with my Sunday at 4 community, Hmm. was we told the the scripture in Luke, where Jesus, in response to being told that Herod is out to kill him, responds by describing himself as a mother hen Hmm. that wants to gather people under his wings. And we were going, Well, that's a really interesting image. And I I was asking uh, our community to imagine, what does that evoke? What does that speak to about what kind of community and what kind of God is this? And maybe I could ask you, Stephen, what does that evoke for you? Because you think a chicken up against a fox. Hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's... The bravery of motherhood would be the first thing that I that pops into my mind. There, right? Like of of gathering those that she cares about under mm. her wings to protect them from the harm that is out, out away from those wings.
1: And that harm is real.
0: It is real. Yeah, and
1: and and the mother hen can't get rid of that harm. That harm is real. And here is this image of being gathered together.
0: And it's it makes me think of the the warmth that that you experience yes. under feathered duvets, you know. So kind of that image of of being gathered under mother hen's wings is, is there's there's safety and there's warmth and there's
1: there's comfort, comfort. Yeah, yeah.
0: That wouldn't it be great if that was people's experience of of church? And I don't mean that. I don't mean comfort as in we're not ever challenged, right? Because part of the challenge I think with the church is it's difficult to have these difficult conversations because it makes us feel uncomfortable i don't think discomfort is necessarily a bad thing but we're talking about the difference between feeling uncomfortable as we sit in complexity whereas the distinction being made here is about being protected from harm being comfortable in that space so being protected from from the the genuine harm that is out there so i think i I don't want to kind of conflate those two there's there's a complacency that can come with comfort, but that's different to being protected from harm and-, and
1: maybe maybe that word comfort has to sit alongside shelter. So more the shelter from the storms, because I said to my community, I cannot guarantee that no nothing hard or sad will happen to you
0: hmm.
1: I cannot guarantee that. And I cannot guarantee the huge losses and disappointments that will come your way. What I can hope that we are building is a community that we can shelter each other in those times. And so I think those are where the conversations, where we can tell the truth about that. What kind of community do we want to be to one another that really does bear some of that load with each other?
0: And that effort that it takes to... To do that in itself will be uncomfortable, right? Because (laughs) I I don't enjoy seeing other people in pain. I'd prefer not to because I can't fix it. But actually the call to sit with each other in those times where we are struggling for whatever the reason, whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether it's a loss of jobs, whether it's just, again, sitting with the uncertainty of our world. What a privilege, but not comfortable. (laughs) And I think I want to be a part of a community that is willing to sit in discomfort and have no answers at times because there aren't answers for certain things, right? Again, I I come back to to Andrew's conversation with us. Uh, There is no answer for for what he experienced. There's no way to explain that away. And so what could it look like for for church communities to be that safe landing space that you're talking about, no matter what people are going through? And that would speak to I think, speak to hope, Uh, certainly would speak to security and and the uncertainty, genuine relationships where I feel known. And I think that then also contributes to that personal identity. Who am I in this space of discomfort?
1: I have to say, there is a huge comfort that I feel that I have been walking with a group of people for 20 years. And knowing that there's so many things that will be unknown going forward, getting older, But the comfort of knowing I have people that have been walking with me, it feels less daunting, that I don't have to shoulder at all. So again, that community building where we can be, and, and that kind of speaks to me like the wings, we shelter each other. What a place of hope the church could be. I kind of want to keep on inviting people to, to want to imagine But of course, and thinking about this practically, how do we do that? We also have to name that we need to get better at understanding our own emotions and our own processes Mm. because how can I sit with somebody else who is fearful or going through things if I haven't learned to sit with that emotion or if I haven't had it modeled to me? I'm going to have to learn that. So one of the things that we've started, because we're talking about, well, what things are we doing differently to try and build this so that we could pass this on to people who are listening. We've started a book club. And so I've got a group of us doing Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. Mm. And in this space, we are all on the same playing field. We get to listen to all the different emotions being talked about through each chapter, get to be able to identify, oh, where where I feel uncomfortable or where I need to look at. I get to hear other people sit with theirs and I'll make connections. And so we are growing in our understanding of ourselves and of each other. And that's what we will bring back into our community gathering. And so I want to invite people to look for some ways outside of what they do on a Sunday that can build that deeper interpersonal relationships with each other. Mm. And uh, shock horror, it doesn't have to be a Bible reading. It could be something like this book.
0: And that's interesting. I think that reflection on on the Bible versus a book like that that is helping us understand our emotions or, or mm. our responses to things, because it's easy to look at the Bible as something that is going to give us the answers, right? That's often the approach in my experience, at least of those mm. kind of midweek Bible study groups. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Seeking answers out of scripture. But if that's the only thing that we're doing, that's not actually going to help me in my emotional intelligence and in my ability to sit with the complexity of, of your response or your, your emotions and your experience. So, so that's, I think, a really important distinction to, to highlight there. It doesn't doesn't have to be the Bible. It's not to say the Bible isn't important. The Bible is, but it's it's not necessarily going to be the thing that is going to shape us in a way that we are going to be able to sit in these more complex situations. And that little idea of the book club, it begins to answer a question that we get pretty frequently is how are the conversations that we are having, how is that impacting our church space? How is that Changing the way we are doing things within the, the the leadership that we are involved in, and so we thought that we would reflect a little bit on that. This is not to say that we've got it sorted and we've got it all right, but some of the things that we're trying that will enable some of the the reflections that we've heard uh, to be more prominently experienced within our church spaces. So, mm. so yeah, you're, but, you're doing a book club. Was is, is there other things that, that?
1: Well, if I could just just highlight a couple of other things about this this book club is it's very dangerous. Okay. So there's an intergenerational. So their ages range from 30 to late 50s. And so that in itself is giving that, that sense of hearing the stories from each other and learning from each other's perspectives. The other thing is that because it's a book club, we're getting each person to help facilitate. So you're getting different people leading and different people bringing something to that. And so that then is kind of what we've been talking about, is allowing for different voices, different ways that things can be presented. And that's great. That just brings a richness. And I know that that's something that was really highlighted, and I think this is a a really important thing that you've talked about with me, is who has the microphone
0: yeah, well, in, in my space, which would be probably a little bit more traditional in its format to, compared to to your Sunday at Four Space, yeah, I'm I've been really intentional about trying to share that as much as possible. Now, I still have my responsibilities as as a pastor, but I will hand the microphone around at least twice in a service to anyone who would like to respond to anything. So it might be something that they are sharing what's going on for them. It might be a reflection on the sermon even, yeah, inviting feedback, inviting, well, what have you noticed? And even just sitting with a large chunks of scripture to say, what are you seeing? What's standing out to you? And not needing a pastor to say, oh, yes, that's a good question. Oh, no, no, you can't ask that question. Or here's my take on that, and therefore there's no more discussion. I think that is a way of disseminating some of the power dynamics that are within a service that is represented by the person or people who are speaking. And I want to hear different voices because the Spirit speaks through all of God's people, not just the one who happens to be the Mm. preacher that day. I think that's something that has deeply been shaped by the conversations we've had with different voices and different people.
1: Mm. And what happens is this collaboration.
0: Mm.
1: Again, I think we underestimate the collaboration that comes when we together back and forth presenting what we've picked up and then making new connections. That's something else that we've discovered in our book club is There's greater insight that comes from collaboration. And I kind of want to say, I don't know if we trust ourselves enough or the spirit enough that we can do that, Mm. that we don't have to control it. You have to then step back and allow for things to go maybe where you didn't imagine they were going to go. But yeah, so tell me about that.
0: Well, I mean, I think the fascinating thing about that is there are times where I'm listening to people speaking as the microphones going around the room. And I'm going, yeah, I don't see it like that at all. But that actually doesn't matter. It's not my job in that space to say, oh, what about this? Or, or you know, you haven't thought about that. And so we can sit with the different voices, whether we happen to agree or not. And potentially. And this, this doesn't happen often, I'll be honest. But there have been, I would say, two or three times this year where there has been some interplay backwards and forwards. Mm. where people have gone, hey, what about this? Or are you sure about that? And... That's gold. Now, of of course it could go badly. Fortunately it hasn't in my view anyway, but being able to go, huh, I see that differently to you and having that difference being raised without it turning into an argument, that's mm. beginning to model something pretty different in our, in our, certainly in our church spaces. And wouldn't that be great to see in our wider society? Oh, we can see things differently, but it doesn't have to turn into a fight. That's, yes. that's amazing. Now, Like I said, it doesn't happen all the time, and it's not that disagreement is happening every week, but I think we're creating a space that it's safe to say, oh, this is how I see things, and it might be a little bit different to how you see things. And that's the case even in our conversations here. I don't think that everything that's been said on our podcast, I would go, yeah, that's how I would see it, but that doesn't matter, right? It's not about how I see it, and that's the, the more I think about it, the more I listen to different voices, I can be shaped, and I can have other people bring views that I don't have to agree with, but just hearing and listening, it's such an important part of the process.
1: And I think too, it speaks to, uh, again, the naming of our complexity, complexity Hmm. of being human. Yeah. And also that we can still only see from our lived experience. And so I've heard people say that, you know, some of our younger voices Uh, sometimes it it can be said that there's a a, a naivety too, because they're, you know, they're bringing in ideas and they haven't lived maybe quite the same length of lives that we've had to see that life is kind (laughs) of complex. Thanks, Stephen. I love you reminding me. But I love that because I want to be reminded that maybe I've lost some of that imagination. I want to be given that again, that gift, and go, well, where can we work with that? Because we can lose that. We can kind of get stuck in what is and get a little cynical. And so, again, that difference is is fabulous. It provokes us because that is where they're coming from, and it's good to see that. I might not see that otherwise without them. And I think that's where that richness comes in.
0: I love the richness that you just kind of highlighted there Kathy and that comes from hearing the different voices but those it's not just a matter of hearing right it's it's there's a difference between hearing i can hear something that you're saying but i'm just waiting for my turn to talk but if i'm truly listening then that's a different posture and i think we had that so powerfully role modeled by Devin Allen in their episode, as they they shared their story of having to listen to a story that they weren't expecting, listening to news that they found potentially difficult to begin with. And yet they prioritized in that listening love. They prioritized love. And that enabled what was still a number of very challenging conversations to be shaped in and rooted in a place that it was going to prioritize love. It was prioritizing relationships. And that's the kind of role modeling that I continually need to see and experience. What does it look like when we hear things that are difficult to hear?
1: And I think that's where we've talked a lot about humility. Mm. That may be what I think the humility to be open that I may not have all the pieces. Yeah. I've been using this saying recently, just as a part of me trying to embrace that, as saying, this is my best guess. Mm. And so. Being open to keep really listening to understand, so that I may maybe be able to have some other pieces that I didn't have before. I think that's the gift mm. that I also offer myself, and not just to to others. Yeah. And we we heard that in Deb and Alan.
0: We did, yeah.
1: And we need more of that role modeling to know how to engage,
0: and also the acceptance that we're not always going to get our responses right. Yeah. Hey, like. This you just talked about best guess. Yeah, you know, I might be doing my best at a particular time, but that might not actually be good enough. And as I learn, as I can reflect on the times that I don't get it right, or that I have caused a problem or or caused hurt, then how can I listen to that and be willing to change and not just assume and dictate and declare that I'm right? Listen to me. I think that's again, it's it's our willingness to to be self reflective and to actually recognize that my perspectives aren't the whole truth.
1: So one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about in terms of helping equip my community is to show how embedded this idea of diversity is in the Bible, but also in our human experience. Mm-hmm. And so we've got Paul in a lot of his teachings, and especially in Romans 14, different groups coming together. With different life experiences, the Jews having a different experience coming in, the Gentiles having a different experience coming in, and how to bring these groups together in a way that shows this new way of doing life as a community, it's always going to be messy. Mm -hmm. And he keeps speaking to them about that, to make love at the center, and he really comes down hard on them in terms of, don't lord it over each other. Mm -hmm. Don't judge each other that you've got it more right than one other group. Yeah. And so I think that's really important that this is always going to be the journey. We're not going to return back to some imagined normal. It's always been messy to put different groups of people together. I mean, the early church made up of Greek and Jew and slave and free free man and men and woman all coming together. That's really complicated. And so I think we have to see that the journey is always about learning what does this look like in community, willing to do the reflective work, willing to stay in the room, willing to hold each other. And that is when the world will get to see we've got something worth offering them. Otherwise, why do they need to take us seriously? So I think that's really important that it'll always be hard work. It's always messy. But it's worth it. Mm. And I it's a vision that I want to keep working towards, that I want to be a part of. What about you? What do you think?
0: That word messy, it's it's always got negative connotations, eh? And yet the messy times in, in life is often for me, I think I've probably said this before, but when I've learned the most, right? Mm. And when I've when I've actually been shaped the most, as I've had to work through the mess, mess that I've caused or mess that I've experienced. And that's, I, I like that we're not going back to uh, a, a normal. That is just normal, right? It's normal. This is just, this is what mm. it's like to bring different people together, different views, different experiences.
1: I suppose for me too, Stephen, in the midst of it all, I do believe in the power of love mm. to transform us. And I think Paul in the Bible did too, because mm. that's what he says at the very end. In the end, what's the one thing that will remain? Mm and it is love. And so I. that's where I put my hope, that if we're willing to do the work, individually and with each other, then we'll have a powerful testimony.
0: And that's, yeah, obviously Paul's riffing on the way that Jesus lived and taught as well, right? And that mm. makes me think of the command to love one another as, as he has loved us, and that our love for one another will show other people Jesus. And... That's something that I know I can work hard at being better at. And I think if we all did that, if we were willing to to take those steps of, of loving one another in the hard times, when we're disagreeing, when we see things differently, but also being willing to even ask the question to begin with.
1: Mm. It is hard to have the conversations. I think sometimes we have this idea that if we don't have it, things will stay smoother. Mm-hmm. But I actually think the opposite happens.
0: Yeah, we end up isolating people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And again, back to the power of naming. Naming what is real. We're better to name those things and actually begin to work with them. Yeah. So that brings us to the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we, we're we looking forward to more conversations uh, t- together uh, and with, with others. We... Again, want to thank all of our, our guests that, that have come on this year. Uh, we want to um, acknowledge again everyone who voted for us to win the the podcast award. And uh, yeah, just really thank you for being on the journey with us. Do get in touch if you have thoughts or questions that we could approach next year. It helps us to, to keep thinking as we uh, dream about what is ahead, both for the podcast, but also as we think about the changes ahead for the church.
1: And also, We would love to hear if you're trying something new. Mm. Give us some of your ideas. If you're, if even if it's in the early stages and you're just testing the waters, please, we would, we would love to hear that Mm. Mm. and hear the journey that you're on. And also, just acknowledging as we come to the end of the year, we're often a little bit weary. (laughs) We're all really looking forward to the summer and and time to refresh. And so, I want to end with a. A blessing as we begin to come to the end of this year and look forward to what is ahead. And this is a blessing from Sarah Bessie. And so now I finally know that it is a holy work to notice and bless and bring intention to beauty and joy and fun in our lives. God's grace is also present in everything that brings goodness to us. And more of God's grace. And goodness in this world is worth saving, worth noticing, worth embodying, and perhaps especially when everything is difficult. Mm. Bless you guys.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Changes Ahead podcast.
1: If that resonated with you,
0: or you've got thoughts about the changes ahead for the church,
1: we'd love to hear from you.
0: So get in touch instagram or facebook at changes ahead cast
1: or email us at the changes ahead podcast at gmail.com
0: see you next year